Hello, and welcome to In All Things, a podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, a global movement of Evangelical Presbyterian churches. Thank you for joining us. I'm Rachel Joseph. Your host for In All Things is Dean Weaver, stated clerk of the EPC. Our prayer is that God uses Dean and his guests to both inform and inspire you about how God is working in and through the EPC. The motto of our family of churches is, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Now, here's Dean. And welcome back, my friends, to another edition of In All Things. It's a delight to have you join us wherever you may be, and we trust that the Lord is with you as well. And whether that is you listening to this as you take a walk in the park, uh, maybe you're going for a jog, uh, maybe you're, you're working out or driving to work, wherever you are listening to us on any number of the different formats, whether it's Podbean or Spotify or just right off our webpage at epc.org. We're so grateful that you've tuned in, grateful that you are clicking, liking, and sharing with others. And that's how the word gets out. So if these episodes are helpful to you, please be sure to share them with others. I know that today's episode is going to be a particular encouragement to you in your faith, and it is very um, present in something that is going on in the world today. So you'll want to stay tuned to listen to a conversation that I'm going to have with our own Bruce Anderson is one of our global workers through I-10, the International Theological Education Network. But we'll talk more about that in a second. As we approach our General Assembly this coming summer, our theme again, Acts 1-8, uh, Recharge. You'll receive power to be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. One of the highlights of our General Assembly every year is on Thursday. Now, we have a lot of activities involving our global workers all week long, from a dinner typically on Tuesday night with our global workers, focusing on what God is doing around the world. But on Thursday night, we commission new people who are going out in response to the prayer, Lord, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out workers into the harvest for the fields are gleaning white. In response to that, every year we have a number of people, sometimes singles, sometimes families, who are responding to that call, and we commission them on Thursday evening. And it is one of the most powerful times of the entire General Assembly. For me, it's the highlight without parallel. And if you want to... Be a part of a global movement of what God is doing today. And that's that's baked right into the very beginning of our vision statement as the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. We are a global movement of congregations. And, and that's not just congregations here in the United States, but it is with global partners all over the world. That Thursday night at General Assembly is this incredibly special time. And I think if you do come, pay particular attention to the vows that our global workers will make, the oath that they take. There is one in particular that will just jump out at you and grab you with a sense of sober realness of the gospel. I'm not going to tell you what that is. You're going to have to come and find out for yourself. But it is really, truly a special experience. You would come the whole way and do everything just for that evening in that particular event. It would be worth it. I hope to see you there on that Thursday night at our General Assembly. Also preaching this year is my good friend, Marcella Robles, who's going to be preaching that night. And so it's going to be a powerful evening of worship. Uh, Zach Hicks leading us in worship. 
Marcelo is singing, commissioning our global workers. I mean, Thursday night is just going to be off the charts good. And so uh, I hope that you'll do everything you can to be a part of that important evening in our life together as a denomination. Okay, on to our subject matter for today. I'm really excited because this week in the office of the EPC, we've been hosting a number of groups that have been in and out. And one of those groups is our U.S. team for world outreach. There are a number of people who live in the United States who support our global workers in a variety of capacities. Some of them are mobilizing prayer. Uh, Some of them are doing recruitment mobilization that is looking for next generation leaders, pipeline persons who might be called into the ministry. Some are in membership care. And then there's this really cool group that I really appreciate because I've gotten to work with them close up called I-10. And the I-10 is the International Theological Education Network. And it is a group of, of scholars, pastors, who have worked with indigenous leaders, equipping them with great teaching and training and helping them be equipped to bring the gospel to their own communities. It's been super, super effective. I know that firsthand because of my experience in Sierra Leone. I've watched as our pastors at the EPC in Sierra Leone have received the teaching and the training. And now we're on to not just pastors, but they're doing elder teaching and training. And that's a a great way to sustain first-generation discipleship inside of a new movement because we're in completely Muslim areas in northern eastern Sierra Leone. We're in completely Muslim areas. Other groups have come and gone. There have been other denominations who have tried to plant churches in these communities that have not taken, and yet ours seem to be taking root there. And a big part of that is because we are discipling elders who can then help lead the churches. There's more to maybe share on that on another day, but I'm so excited to have Bruce Anderson with us in the studio today as we talk a little bit about I-10, but I also want to spend a lot of time talking about what comes next for Bruce because that is going to be really pressing on one of the issues of today. And if you're not sure what that means, in a few moments we're going to be talking about what the EPC is doing right now in the Ukraine and how we're making an impact there. So I hope that gets your attention to tune in here for the rest of our podcast. So Bruce, welcome. Glad to have you here. Thanks so much, Dean. Really appreciate it. So uh, give us a little bit of background about you so people can get to know you a little bit. I always start off with, tell us about, you know, how you came to faith in Christ. Tell us about your family, what, how you got into the ministry. Just give us a quick overview so we get some sense of who Bruce is. I grew up in Iowa with uh, evangelical Lutheran parents I sat there as a kid watching them around the table as they were swept into the evangelism explosion movement and saw a little Lutheran church grow from 300 to 3,000, largely wow. through uh, new professions of faith. Wow. That was a blessing, uh, the stable family I had and the sharing of the gospel that I saw in my family. I'm really super grateful. When I went off to university, I was trying at that point in my life to be a cool musician type and would have ended up in maybe some smoky bar uh, getting paid very little money to play a trombone and some little jazz combo so I'm thankful the Lord uh, that was that that was the only point really where I just had that kind of string in my life and the Lord just brought me right back with a lot of tears and grace the very first months there met my wife and lifelong friends fellow ministry workers at that point and I started doing international student ministry and campus ministry That bridged uh, into a sense of call to go on and study seminary, but I didn't want to just do seminary. 
because I was at that point one of the training of the Puritans. They were these holistic ministers who could take the Word of God and speak to every sphere of life. And I had been what Francis Schaeffer called the great evangelical disaster on a personal level. I had had that great faith and heritage, but I wasn't in a church at that, you know, growing up that, that was discipling that out into every part of life. So I became like the world. And I realized when I read Schaeffer's book on my recommitment to Christ in college that I am committed never again while I go on that path. I, will, I, I say Jesus is Lord of every sphere of life, and I'm going to take as many people down that path as I can with me for the rest of my life. And it, it has been a remaining core in my heart that has guided my ministry. So I studied divinity and a seminary degree simultaneous with a public policy master's, and then uh, went into pastoral ministry 16 years with EPC, and then uh, went on for further theological studies that were to support my missions engagement work in Eastern Europe, the Baltics, and others. And that work was historical, political theology, and it brought all of my things together into a package for uh, the ministry that I'm doing today. One of my favorite quotes, Bruce, is, uh, is an Abraham Kuyper quote that says, there is not one square inch of the creation in which the sovereign does not declare mine. That's right. Absolutely. And, uh, and that's sort of what's behind the, the, the idea of this podcast, actually. The Colossians 1, the use of ta pontos in the Greek uh, in Colossians 1, 15 through 17, where all things are created by him, for him, and through him, visible and invisible. That is to say there's not one square inch of the creation, whether it's economics, whether it's um, sociopolitical things, relationships, you name it. There's no part of the creation that wasn't created by him, for him, and through him, and ultimately is held together by him and goes back to him, and it's a reclaiming of all things. So yeah. uh, Schaefer did that for a lot of us growing up, helping us kind of reorient to a more comprehensive understanding of the nature of the gospel, right? Absolutely love it. Uh, you're getting me fired up because you're bringing me back to 20 years ago or so. Uh, one of my first uh, steps into this, I was in the Lithuanian parliament building, Somehow, as one of the speakers up there, it was the former Communist Hall. This was in 2001. I was quoting that passage with force as I put out Puritan Covenantalism as a <laughs> model for social transformation that somehow fit their theme. And with a, a Chechen representative to Lithuania in front of me and a lot of different figures, interesting people around. And it was just powerful proclaiming the Lord in that place. And since then, a lot of great things have happened. And of course, we're proclaiming the Lord is the one who is the Lord, the dominant one. But we're not, we're, we emphasize service in society that honors him and puts, puts uh, life and prosperity out there for people in society and nation. He's the Lord, and we're just honoring him by serving him and people he has a desire for the people who are made in his image to flourish. Exactly. And he's given us his word that shows us what a life that is truly life looks like. Yes. Uh, my friend Steve Garber often calls that the, the seamless life. Um, mm -hmm. It's a life that has no separation between the sacred and the secular. All of life comes under his lordship, and it's a beautiful picture of the way God has intended things to be. Mm -hmm. But uh, unfortunately, we live in a world that is uh, broken, and, and the sin has stepped in, and and uh, marred and distorted and bent and broken that image. And so we live in places of deep pain and brokenness, but yet we have a, a Savior who brings uh, good news that those things can be made all new again mm -hmm. in, in Him. And in that journey, you have had a long-standing 
passion for, as I have in West Africa, you have had a longstanding passion in Eastern Europe. Tell us a little bit about how the Lord has taken you to Eastern Europe and built those relationships, your passion there, and what it is that the Lord is now calling you to do. The uh, time I had there in the in the Baltics and Lithuania, like I mentioned, from then I I went on and our team was asked to to be a part of things in a number of countries, uh, uh, Latvia, and then down into uh, Belarus, Ukraine, Bulgaria, Romania. And what these people were hungry for was they were coming out of the Soviet era. And then, you know, we, they, they used to tell me you could just stand up and say, Jesus loves you, and, you know, with a group of people and, and you know, a thousand people raise their hands and come to the Lord, you know, in those, the early 90s. The thing about it was as the church formed, though, they realized we don't have the answers to what is so broken here. The whole culture, the whole institutions of society are, are devastated by what we went through. And we say that we love the Lord, we love people, but we have not, we don't know how to even think about those things. And so a new Reformation movement formed, that's what we we refer to these things uh, as a Reformation movement, which is the Reformation of society Mm. uh, through the transformation that's in the hearts of his people that flows outward into behaviors and then into the institutions of the family, church itself, and into the the spheres, all the different spheres, whether it's journalism, business, education, economy, the arts, and so on. So it, it involves teaching and training in a biblical worldview and bringing out the principles that shape our behavior, our understanding, and our action in those areas. We've seen that take a beautiful expression in partnership. I, I have a small organization called Institute for Reformation. It's in partnership with them and their uh, formal and informal organizations of this type of work. We've been going about 20 years now, and there's a, a lot of beautiful fruit that we see. That fruit not only helps those areas of society, but it has become an apologetic, a defense of the faith, and an attraction, uh, particularly to the demographic of academic and professional people in what are some of the most atheistic and agnostic contexts among people who have never really seen evangelical Christians, especially those that know how to operate you know, in those areas. So uh, there's an evangelism component that's really special about all this, too. Hmm. There's so much here to talk about. Like, yeah. I feel like this is probably the subject of about five different podcasts. So we are definitely going to have to, before you leave today, book a time to do a follow-up on this. But it strikes me too, Bruce, is one thing that could be really helpful, and I'm just thinking a little strategically here. The learnings that you gain from how to help people in the former Soviet republics sort of dismantle some of the systemic things that because the 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 soviet regime was really built on a particular worldview right right and and it's not just a matter of people's hearts changing that that's where it starts as you Mm -hmm. said but their hearts change and that should lead them to behavior that's in alignment with the kingdom of god and the principles of the kingdom of god and that's going to challenge principalities and powers that's going to challenge and want to see a reform of systems and structures that are in place in that society and some of those because the worldview that the soviet regime was built on 
or so blatantly anti-Christian, some of those things uh, you're going to be able to identify and point to and say, but the gospel speaks to this this way. This is what justice looks like. This is what an equitable society looks like. This is how we take care of the poor and the oppressed. Yeah. Um, it seems that the things you learn from that might be exceedingly helpful to come back to the Western church because in many respects, I think the church in the West is beginning to realize that we're undergoing a similar kind of deconstruction, if you will. Um, there's a sense to which we realize that there are worldviews that we have bought into, uh, uncritically perhaps, that have come into the church that are assumptions that haven't been challenged, uh, presuppositions that haven't been addressed, that are kind of nascent in the way in which the Western church operates. And, and so being able to take a full Reformation approach that you're mm-hmm. doing with all of life in view, what you learn from that could be exceedingly helpful coming back to us here in the States so that we can apply some of those same principles. You know, I think of like Leslie Newbegin who came back from his time in India and he realized, you know, the England he left was not the England he returned to. And he applied the missiological principles he learned and, and used when he was in India back to coming to England you may be able to take some of those same kind of principles that you're learning in Eastern Europe and bring those back to help what is increasingly a post-Christian, post-modern society in the West. Yeah, I, that's right. I think Newbegin, uh, he, he came back to secularization that was coming on heavy with post-modern, post-Christian culture. There are ways in which we're probably speaking to people and relating to people that may be not up to date in those areas and uh, we have we have beautiful opportunities. I, I would say that beautiful opportunities to serve people and, and talk and relate with people in a way that that may answer the cry of their heart and mind. Yeah, well, let's talk about one of those beautiful opportunities that is is on uh, the front burner right now. Yeah, because of your background, experience, your relationships in Eastern Europe, we have been able to now have a real tangible presence in the crisis that is in the Ukraine. The invasion of the Ukraine, the atrocities that are happening there, the pain that is happening there, the, the devastation that is just, I'm, and we're all just uh, stunned by it. We, we just can't even fathom in our day that something like this is occurring and it's happening in live time. I mean, we're, we're watching it on our phones. We're watching it on social media and we're watching it with real people. I mean, that's the thing that I think that, that grips all of us is that these people were just going to work. They, they were going to school. They were walking their kids in the park and, and now they're in rubble and they're, they're figuring out how to create Molotov cocktails and how to try to protect their own families and their own communities and their own country. It's just, it, it, I don't think there's anything ever like it in terms of, um, not that there haven't been horrible wars before, but we're seeing this in a way that we've never seen a war before. And it's deeply affecting people. And almost from day one, Bruce, we had people calling here saying, how can we make a difference? How, how can we, how can we, what's EPC doing to make a difference? And we were able to, through World Outreach, establish about four different partners right away. Um, and, and you're one of those people that's got uh, some connections there. And just this week, we wired over about $115,000 that was given by people in the EPC for relief work in the Ukraine. And you just got 
something back today from a, a friend of yours who's right on the front line of that relief work. Could you share with us a little bit about where we're engaged in the Ukraine and how we're making a difference right now? One of the benefits of working on that sphere of, a, of national transformation, national reformation, is that you, you're, you're raising up leaders who can answer the real problems in the, in the, in the country. And so my dear friend and longtime partner for about 20 years, Yaroslav Lukasik, um, leads the East European Leadership Forum, East European Reformation Foundation, and also the, the Ukrainian Christian Open Academy, which trains hundreds and hundreds of, of, of Christian leaders, not only pastors, but professionals and different people in society. That network is in place and uh, is, is doing a lot to respond to this crisis. So Yaroslav is actually a Polish citizen. So he's in Lublin, Poland, where uh, one of the two cities where most of the refugees have fled, by the way. And he is using, uh, working with his team in Lublin, a small team that he's formed of Ukrainians that are in a position then to work with the wide network of the ministry that he has it crosses different denominations and confessions and uh, touches all parts of, of the country so they're bringing material aid they're bringing gospel content they're bringing uh, all kinds of, of support and supply into ukraine from what that stage from poland and so it's being done by ukrainians where yaroslav lives and ministers into Ukraine and, and moving to the hardest places. The EPC's money is going to, to that. Uh, it's also going some to the refugees, but it's easier to get money to the refugees that are in these, these Western uh, countries or in Poland. But they, to, get, to get aid inside Ukraine uh, is life risk and life threatening and logistically very difficult. So thank God there's a highly developed group throughout the country who are able to to do that and we're partnering with them we're helping chaplains in a particular way yeah that's fascinating i think if if people who are listening knew that the money that they were giving a good portion of it is going to actually go to a group of chaplains tell people what the chaplains are going to receive from the epc that's going to make a difference yeah that's good good dean it's it's so cool because that out of that money there's just these really critical and powerful areas they are so in touch with the needs that they know exactly what they need because they're, they're doing the stuff. Part of that money goes to the Chaplains Association, which are pastors of different confessions, and it's led by a charismatic Roman Catholic guy, actually, that's in partnership uh, with uh, Yaroslav. But most of the chaplains that are out are Protestant chaplains, and they're right up on the right up in the hardest places, Mariupol or or uh, Kiev, any of the cities, uh, throughout those cities, wearing bulletproof vests, going right up to aid soldiers, to aid families, to pray, not just to pray, but, you know, and minister, but also bringing relief supplies where, where other people wouldn't go or couldn't go to get it to them. They're risking their lives on a daily basis. I saw a group of them uh, in one of the Twitter, Twitter pages of one of our, our students from our Christian Open Academy, uh, powerful pastor Gennady, he, he was there with like you know ten of these guys. All had their vest on, and they were glory to God. You know, we're still doing it. We're still alive. Um, mm-hmm. They were really glad they're you know, still alive. So headline: EPC gives money to buy bulletproof bulletproof vests. Yeah, that's for right. Chaplains who are risking their lives on the front line. Of Absolutely, Ukraine. yeah, absolutely, yeah. That's yeah. Stunning. 
so practical, so so helpful, so stunning. Um, just to know that you're giving to the EPC makes that kind of a difference, and we're engaged in that kind of meaningful context. And a lot of that has to do uh, with your the relationships you have built there for over 20 years, and the systems that are in place to help deliver these things in a way that we have a high degree of certainty that they're getting into the right hands to do the right thing to make the great impact. Yeah, it is really nice when you have the relationships. So Gennady is a famous pastor, actually, in Mariupol. I was supposed to go work with him and others in Mariupol the third week of February. We'd schedule that for a month. So I didn't go because the war, the, the war started. Yeah. But he he's out there, uh, just one example of those courageous guys. His own daughter um, was killed by a bomb as he continues to do his, uh, his work there. Quite a figure. And... Mm-hmm. Another person, for example, that we're networked with is uh, Alexander Tretiak, who's been actually in a number of CBS, ABC interviews and all that on TV, because he's gone from being the head of the seminary and uh, Reformation partner to becoming the mayor at 35 years old of Rivna, Ukraine. So you might have seen that city, mm. city of 250,000 evangelical. And the, may- and the mayors are under a great direction. Yeah, his life is uh, targeted. Yeah. Some yeah. of them have been captured and that sort of thing. But what a thing, a guy for such a time as this, as, as uh, Alex, as we call him, um, to be there and to lead his people in faith and protection of that city. It's just a gorgeous, gorgeous thing. So we have people like that throughout the, the country. Do you mind reading the uh, email that you got this morning? Not at all. You shared an email with me earlier because we just wired off that money and they've just received the money. Yeah, it's such a delight. I'll, if I may, I'll just quickly throw in, too, that there's the humanitarian component that involves tons and tons of food supplies to people who are little, they're running out of food, they have no access, even water. Um, so part of it goes to that. Part of this money goes to children and adult Bibles in Ukrainian and Christian literature that's being distributed. You know, our friends distributed one million prayer and scripture and gospel booklets that were printed up in Ukrainian language and distributed inside Ukraine uh, for people who are broken and crying out to God, many of them not yet followers of the Lord, but turning toward him. Beautiful stuff. So we're, we're also helping to supply those kinds of things. And then these funds that uh, have been sent by the EPC, we're buying two evac vans where we're seeing people evacuated out, again, at the risk of life. Victor Chernow, this guy, and others doing that. Trauma kits and medicines that are life-saving as well. So all of this is there. So this has gone out in the email from, from Yaroslav. This morning I woke up to this, and I've just thanked God for who he is, and I thanked God for the EPC. Uh, he said, hello, uh, Yaroslav says, hello, Bruce. I would love to inform you about receiving 115000 to our account. Thank you very much. May the Lord bless EPC and you abundantly. Today, in two hours, we have to send a transportation, 20 tons of food, medicine, and essential items sponsored. And he mentions another group. Everything is prepared, but funds from there didn't come yet. So we prayed this morning, uh, and they're feeling the urgency, right? They, they, they know people are dying. They know people are being traumatized. They're trying to get this out. They're going to send it without having money. And these friends of mine don't have any money. So they're under that duress. And so he says, so we prayed this morning at our online team's meeting about funds now, N-O-W, capitals, 
for this transportation. After the prayer, I opened the account and received the EPC gift for Ukraine. God is great, he says, exclamation point. In you, he says, exclamation point mm. to, to us. Mm. Praise the Lord for his timing. And I really, I do want to say that I was also moved because I saw the swiftness of our leadership here facilitate this. Just their sense of timing and, and expeditiousness was being led by God to time that. That's not only going to get that life-saving on uh, changing material to the people timely, but it's also arrived on God's time for Yaroslav and his team to know, mm-hmm. as he said to me, you know, that God is with us and the EPC is with us and we're not alone. And that's mm-hmm. very much a part of the Great Commission because it ends with, I will uh, be with you always, even, even to, to the, the end, end of the age. age. That's a very pretty part yeah. of the Great Commission. There's great power in knowing that they're not alone. And they feel mm-hmm. that because of that relationship through you and because of all of you listening in the EPC mm-hmm. who have responded to the Lord's prompting and have been a part of that. So you've made that difference, folks. You yeah. have helped be part of that timing. God moved in your heart. You gave those gifts. Bruce has had those relationships. We have these kind of built-in connections. All of that is under the sovereign purview of our God who has worked everything together for his will according to his purposes. And, you know, I can't help but think, Bruce, that this is one of those profound times where what uh, the enemy intends uh, for evil, God is going to use for good, and he is going to magnify his name even in the midst of this suffering as we join him in the activity of bringing relief and hope to these people. I think you're spot on with that, and that's exactly, it helps me to hear you say that, because that's, Yaroslav and I talked that way, we were talking the other day, and said, you know, I don't, I don't know, if we're crazy, I mean, most people think we are, and we always feel like we're a little bit crazy, but we, we believe that this is something very dynamic in God's hands, this, this horrible war, to bring a, a breaking free of this region in an, in, at a whole new level, in the years that are that are come to, to come here, things we've been praying about for years, and we've 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 prayed and believed that Eastern Europeans would actually be a witness rising up that would witness back and challenge and bring conviction to Western Europe and America and other parts of the world because of the boldness, the capacity for suffering, mm-hmm. the devotion to God, and the 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 realness and authenticity that I see emerging sometimes out of these dear friends of mine. So I think it's a beautiful thing. I think that I see a piece of that already happening. You know, a lot of people are saying, wow, what kind of people is this that can mm-hmm. do this? And I've moved around with them enough to know that there, God has placed something there historically and, and contemporarily that postures them to really stand up, not just for Ukraine, but for God. And I think it's very exciting. Wow, thank you. And for those of you who are um, moved by this and say maybe the Spirit is leading you to continue to be a part of this, uh, this is going to be an ongoing work. This is not something that is going to be a one-off for us. Uh, If you simply go to our webpage, epc.org, you'll be able to find opportunities there to give to what is our international 
uh, disaster relief fund, uh, which has access by our uh, global workers in situations like this. And I think for the foreseeable future, that focus of that fund is going to be on the relief work in the Ukraine. And you can certainly designate that and we'll make sure it gets into really good hands like Yaroslav's where it can be used immediately. There's no administrative cost for us. There's no, we, 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 you give us a thousand dollars, that thousand dollars goes right into their hands. And um, you can trust that it's being on the front line of doing something really, really good for the gospel. Amen. So Bruce, any final uh, word of encouragement for those who are listening in, maybe even just how to pray for our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine and in uh, Eastern Europe? Certainly before I go, I just would give a huge thank you to you all. You encourage me greatly. You support me. I couldn't do anything without the support that the EPC is giving to me. I, I couldn't. So I'm just incredibly grateful. I feel very encouraged and loved by this time. There's a ton of prayer going up. We have hundreds of people. We've had these Thursday prayer meetings as well. It's very big. So thank you for all of that. I'd say praying for Ukraine is just remember that the number one thing is that the world may know that God is the Lord. Uh, all the things that happen in this life, this is all to, to, to know God and to honor God and glorify God and receive God. Everything is happening in the geopolitically anything. So let's remember to pray for the glory of God and the knowledge of God, like the waters of the sea, you know, just that, that, that his knowledge would spread through Ukraine and Russia and these other places. It's just important to keep that at the, at the forefront. At the same time, let's uh, remember that it's Ukrainians who are, are suffering, but it's also many Russians uh, uh, and Belarusians are suffering because of this dynamic uh, and the way it plays into their, their lives. It's just important for praying for that region and praying on a global, like a geopolitical kind of level for that's tied to spiritual uh, underpinnings. I've heard you speak about some of those things, Dean, and I like your perspectives on those those uh, you know, big, big uh, overarching ideologies and the way they drive things. Praying with the knowledge that in a time like this, as you might imagine or already know, these people uh, in Ukraine are turning toward God like never before. Mm. We are and we will see many salvations and Many people continue to really hunger for him. And so as our people, meaning just our family of the Lord, uh, uh, in general, the global church goes in and lives in Ukraine and manifests in Ukraine in the name of Jesus, the witness of Jesus, the imaging of Jesus, as well as in the words and, and the gospel that is being shared, that people would know Jesus Christ. I think that's very important. And also, pray, please pray Knowing that there are, you see on the news, of course, there are 4 million refugees, but just remember there are 40 million people who still live in Ukraine. Right. So I always pray that, I always say that as well. That's, and, and again, with the, the blessing and knowing that your aid is going into those, that 40 million. So, so we're going to call on the EPC and we're going to ask everyone who's listening to this podcast to like this, to share it, to share it with others, not just your mission committee chairs, but all of your elders and your staff, your family and your friends, to listen to this. Pass this on to people, for other people to listen to, and we're going to pray four and 40. We're going to pray for the four million who are refugees and the 40 who remain, and we're going to remember the four and the 40, and we're going to pray over them, and uh, we're going to pray that 
that all might know Christ. That should be an EPC standard prayer. Mm-hmm. And we're going to pray for God's glory Amen. to be manifested in all of that. So, Beautiful. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Bruce. Thank Thanks. you so much for your time today for uh, just being who you are and doing what the Lord has called you to do. Thank you. Thanks so much. Well, my friends, perhaps of all the podcasts that we have done so far to date, none has been more fitting to end with this particular scripture verse. Uh, we end with it every time. And perhaps if you're a regular listener, um, you already cut the uh, the audio off when you get to this point because you go, okay, this is the out part. Well, listen again today because, first of all, this is God's word. And God's word goes forth and accomplishes the purposes for which it has been established, and it will not return void. And on this day, as we have this conversation about what God is doing in this part of the world, this scripture seems so even ever more appropriate. And it is for for all things that we do in the EPC. You see, my friends, the sun is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created. When you hear that, I want you to picture the four and the 40. Picture the four million refugees. Picture the 40 million people still in the Ukraine. All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Think of the things in the Ukraine that you can't see with your eyes. Relationships, beauty, the economy, whether visible or invisible. Thrones or powers or rulers and authorities. Think about those mayors. Think about the president of the Ukraine. Think about the powers and the principalities that are at play here. All things, all things, tapantas, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, that is our Lord Jesus, in him, All things hold together, for he is the head of the body, the church. That is true in Eastern Europe. It is true in the United States. It is true throughout the world. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. My friends, thank you for being here on this important conversation. Please pass the word to others. And until we gather again, grace and peace be to you. Thank you again for joining us. On behalf of Dean and the entire team, we hope you will join us for our next episode of In All Things. For more information about the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, including a directory of local churches, online resources, and much more, visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today.